The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I think this is on. Is it on? Yes, it is. Great. Good. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here to see a lot of old friends and some new faces for me, too. So Andrea is away and asked me if I would come this morning, and I'm happy to do that and to be here. Um, I thought what I'd like to talk about this morning is um, how we interact with our emotions, how emotions um, arise in our experience and what we do with them, how we recognize them, um, how they affect our thoughts, how our thoughts affect our emotions. So as a way to sort of get started, I thought I would um, do a little exercise with you, if you'll indulge, indulge me, if you'd be willing. Are you willing? Yes. Okay. So um, I'm going to ask you to all just get comfortable in your seat as though we were going to meditate here. And um, we can begin by um, taking a couple of deeper breaths. And, and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for this exercise. We're going to do a kind of a visualization. Just take a couple of deeper diaphragmatic breaths. Bring the breath down into the belly. And then when you exhale, just let it go. Just have the, the sensation, the feeling of release, of letting go. And you can let the breath out. Um, breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Just get a sense of arriving. Letting everything just be as it is. Nothing special, we're just sitting here. And when you're ready, you can allow your breath to return to its natural rhythm, whatever that is. There's no special way of breathing. However the breath appears for you. And I'm going to ask you to bring your attention to touch points, the contact of your feet on the floor. Be aware of the contact of your feet on the floor. What does that feel like? And the placement of your hands in your lap or on your knees. And now let the focus of your awareness come to the softness of your lips touching. 
and allow your awareness to move to the moisture in your mouth, the wetness. and the hardness of your teeth. And now bring your attention back to the movement of the breath as you perceive it moving in your body. Just receive the breath. As it ebbs and flows, And now get a global sense of what you feel like as you're sitting here, just slowing down, relaxing. Putting aside any expectations Our preferences, just being here in the moment, noticing the contact of your feet on the floor or the hardness of your teeth. The movement of the breath somewhere in your body. And the knowing of those things in the very moment of their occurring. And in this calm or calmer state of mind. I'm going to ask you to bring to mind some person whom you really care for, who's really easy for you to care for. And if it's hard to think of a person, maybe a pet, someone in your life now or in the past whom it was so easy to feel affection and caring for. And bring this person to mind 
or this pet, and really picture a time when they were filled with delight. It could be a child, it could be a partner, a grandparent, a good friend, a lover, someone who you care about, who you feel some sort of affection towards. And imagine them in a moment of happiness. And bring your attention to your heart area now and notice if anything's stirring or coming up within you. Notice if there's any sense of warmth or tenderness or delight in the delight of our loved one. Just feel into what you're actually experiencing, if anything. And now I'm going to ask you to just return your attention to the movement of your breath and your body. And once again, bring this dear one to mind. But this time, imagine your friend or your lover or your child, whoever it is, or your pet, in some sort of difficulty, some sort of stress, Something's causing them to suffer. Some situation. You may actually be able to remember some situation in which they were in distress. And bring that to mind. Really, really embody that whole experience. And see 
if this changes the way that you're breathing or you're holding your own body. Notice whether your jaw is clenched or your shoulders are tight or your tummy is knotted up as you imagine your loved one in distress. And just check into your heart again and see See what's there. What are you feeling? And now just allow your attention to return to your breath, to the ebb and flow of your breath as it moves in and out of your body. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back into the room. So what was that like for folks? Popcorn it out. What what did and and I have a bit of a hearing problem, so the people in the back are gonna have to speak loudly. You you were saying you Good, that was good. Okay. That was good. Yeah, that was really good. Go ahead. I enjoyed it, and I was surprised at the difference in the breathing mm-hmm. when, um, in my breathing, when I imagined joy or happiness for her, as a case maybe. Mm-hmm. And when I imagine her in distress, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was surprised at the that how much it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you. Did anyone else notice a, ch- a change like that? First, it felt very light. Like Hold it like a pop, a pop or ice cream okay. cone. Okay, sorry. At first, it felt very light, very serene, very calm. And then the second part felt very tight, very constricted. I felt all my muscles tighten up and everything. It was 
not fun. Not and it fun. It brought back a lot of emotions that overwhelmed me. So. Wow. Thank you. I didn't pay her to say that, by the way, <laughs> since this talk is going to be about emotions. <laughs> Would you turn the volume up? Because I can't hear her. I can't hear. Other people, anyone else want to share what that was like for them? Yes. Um, I, I've, whenever we do an exercise like that, um, where we're you know asked to think of a loved one or somebody very dear to us, I always have a really hard time. First, I scan all my relationships, mm-hmm. and I think um, who to settle on because they're all there's not one without conflict mm-hmm. or ambivalence. And I always have a hard time, you know, mustering that kind of warmth. And then, you know, uh, and then I, I get lost in feeling badly that I can't, uh, I don't have um, that key to my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, that exercise just reminds me once again of the inability I have to, to stir. To what? To stir. To stir. To stir any uh-huh. kind of, you know, um, to stir up love inside of myself. I see. Thank you. That was beautiful. Does anyone else have the same kind of experience? Because what this woman has shared is, is a, very, um, it's a very common response for a lot of people. So um, you wanted to say something back there? Well, yeah, it's, uh, I found an unexpected reaction. The beloved person I focused on was the dog my family owned when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I loved playing with that dog. I loved that dog's company. But I realized that I had an element of ambivalence. A what? An element of ambivalence in this because there were times where unconsciously I felt that my father loved the dog more than he loved me. Uh-huh. And uh, I became actually aware of that ambivalence for the first time just in this exercise. I realized that it had always been there. Mm. It was kind of a shocking realization. Huh. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. There's more. Hold it like an ice cream cone. Initially, I had so many people I really love and really care for that are important to me and that I'm so grateful for in my life um, that it it wasn't too hard to choose, but I picked one person, and Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was painful for me because I lost that person not that long ago. Mm. But um, so much came up so quickly, Mm. and my breath was so constricted and my rib cage was so tight, but after, toward the end, I was able to breathe more deeply, and I felt calmer and less constricted. Thank you. I feel better. You feel better. Yeah. Much Great. Better. Great. And and we have another comment up here, and then I want to respond to some of these. 
I, uh, I didn't experience a change in my breathing, uh, but something that happens to me a lot when I meditate is uh, that just a flood of tears and hot emotion and uh, welling up. And uh, the uh, second part was particularly poignant to me because I thought of the only instance I could I experienced this person in distress is something I did that caused it. Uh, you know, not it was innocent. It was, uh, it just happened. Turned out I didn't know this was a problem mm-hmm. until it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that sort of stopped the tears, I guess, and um, put a sort of a chill on it. That what? Put a chill on it. Put the chill on it. Mm-hmm. So thank you, everyone. And what I want to um, uh, point out here is that um, there was a powerful emotional response, whether it was one of not being able to connect with a love object or having so many love objects that you had a hard time picking one or remembering something about like what you just shared about maybe causing someone to be in distress and the kind of physiological responses that come when our emotions are really activated and how how they oftentimes have a projective power over our thoughts so an emotion gets triggered by or a thought may trigger an emotion uh, where I'll just use your example if it's okay where where um, we're trying to think of something and we can't we can't bring this image to mind and so there's this conflict between what we're trying to do and what's not happening for us and there's a response to that which is an emotional it has an emotional charge you see but if we don't recognize that the emotion is there, if we don't recognize it as an emotion, we generally invest it with some sort of a story. We generally like move away from it if it's difficult to be with. And part of the way that we move away is that our jaw gets tight, our body responds, our breathing changes. These are all signals that an emotion is arising and it's being locked down by clenching our jaws and tightening our shoulders and our knotting our stomachs. And so we start automatically to, you know, analyze what's going on to get us as far away from the feeling as possible. So, <clears throat> and this is a completely natural thing. I mean, we do this all the time. Everybody does this. This is just part of common humanity. Um, and it's important to recognize that our first read on any situation generally comes through this emotion, this emotional arising that we almost always, if, it, if there's 
if it's charged in any way, we try to move away from it. We don't even realize that we're doing it. We don't want to be with it. So <clears throat> I, I was realizing when we were meditating that one of the things that I do is I think my emotions away. The minute I have something happen, the mind, I, I, I experience something that's actually just the arising of an emotion. That's all it is. It's just an emotional response that I'm feeling physiologically. If it's something that I'm uncomfortable with, the mind doesn't say, oh, you're uncomfortable. Here's an uncomfortable emotion. It's just a reaction. And then the thoughts just start streaming. They just start flowing to get me as far away from that emotion as possible. Have, has, have any of you experienced anything like that? Yeah. So this is, this is really part of common humanity. And so it doesn't make any difference what our individual stories are. At some basic level, we all experience this. You see? And, and in the experience of that, we either meet it with a quality of mindfulness so that we begin to see what's actually happening, or we're stuck on a treadmill. We just go around and around and around and around doing the same thing over and over again. We spend our whole life doing that. Not that there's, um, this has no judgment in it at all. It's just a fact. This is what we do. And until we can see that this is what we do, um, we're sort of stuck. We're enslaved by it. So generally there's this rule of emotion before thought. and, And this is quite it has an adaptive aspect or quality to it because uh, it allows us to act on, on, <clears throat> on what's going on for us to take care of ourselves. So if we're in a situation and we have this emotional charge, it may tell us that something's wrong. It may, you know, it may, it's just a signal. We, it's not like we're trying to ignore our emotions. What, what we're trying to do is recognize them as emotions so that we can have a skillful response to them rather than a reactive, um, you know, get me the hell out of here kind of a response. So um, <clears throat> they provide us with an immediate reaction um, when there really isn't time to think about something. So emotions really serve us, and they keep us alive, and they keep the species going. So um, they're, they're an important means by which we can like evaluate our circumstances. We can make decisions based on, on what we know about our emotions, and we can learn to act appropriately in a given situation. So um, it's really important for us to recognize that um, we need to be aware of uh, uh, we, meet, we need to be aware of the way that we're either reacting or responding to these signals. Because one of the things that 
I notice a lot of people do, and I also notice myself doing it, is that um, it's at that very place where an emotion arises, and it's not identified as an emotion, that um, the mind will immediately click in with a lot of thinking for some people like me. It'll, it'll click in with a lot of thinking like that. And what happens in that very instant is that people abandon themselves. This is a really important, um, this is really important. Uh, The emotion scares us. It makes us feel our vulnerability. It makes us feel our lack of control. It makes us feel separate, alone, lonely. It, It can do that. And what happens is that we have a habitual way of responding to these moments. They may be associated with loss. They may be associated with frustration. They may be associated with any other quality or characteristic. But what happens is that we don't want to be with that moment because it's, there's, it's groundless in a way. And there's nothing to hold on to. And so we find our strategies, we create our strategies to protect ourselves from being with ourselves. And in that very act, we abandon ourselves because our actual experience is one that we're denying. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? I'm I'm looking for nods. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good. Yes. Let me just suggest that I would agree with you when it comes to negative emotions. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a positive one, I don't find myself doing what you're suggesting. Mm -hmm. Is that because that's a welcoming emotion when you think of somebody that is experiencing joy and you see that joy in somebody else that's very freeing of the Mm -hmm. heart Mm -hmm. lightness of the heart and there's no reason to think it and distance yourself from it so I think what you've described are what I experience when it comes to the negative ones where the hurt that you might experience from that that you might have caused somebody or Mm -hmm. they might have caused you is one that you want to distance yourself from. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, I was wondering if that was true. I, yes, of course. Thank you for pointing that out, because I don't mean to imply that emotions always have a negative charge. They can have a very warm and, and wonderful uh, aspect to them, too. But um, where I was going, and I got a little bit side sidetracked, is that they actually set the the direction and the tone and the experience that we're of of the experience that we're having so it's almost you can you can choose in a way to be with emotions or to be with thoughts that will produce um you know wholesome connect, uh, a sense of connection and wholesomeness and and loving qualities, or you can choose to look at the world 
in a way that it's scary and dangerous and um, you have to be on guard and defended all, all the time. But one of the things that allows you to do this is to take a look at what's actually happening inside of you at the moment that it's happening. And so, so <clears throat> sometimes it feels to me like life is just too much to handle. It's like it's too much to understand. You can understand a little bit, and then you look at the 11 o'clock news, and you get totally depressed. So, <clears throat> so what I'm... What I'm trying to do is to point us back to our own direct experience and to see how our reactions or our responses to our own direct experience affect how we relate in the world and how other people are going to relate to us, what we're putting into the world and how we're picturing the world. And this is in so many instances... Um, created by an emotional, our emotional life, which we're not really in touch with, because we're because we're afraid of emotions. And I'm sort of out on a limb here, but I'll uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I think for men, it's even more difficult because we're not really taught as young boys to to be as easy and uh, open to emotions. They scare a lot of men. Guilty as charged. And, and so I don't mean to be, be banking, making a, a generalization, but it seems that way. And so um, <clears throat> it's really important to um, see that uh, we can actually challenge our uh, emotional, our automatic emotional reactions. And so the automatic emotional reaction that I was pointing to a while ago was that one that says danger, red alert, get me out of here. This is no place for <laughs> an enjoyable morning. I've got to, I've got to move on. Thank you. So, uh, it's, it's, one thing then to become aware of them and then it's another thing to act on them. So if you become aware of your emotion and your emotion is overwhelming and you allow yourself to be overwhelmed by your emotion, then what happens? What happens? We find ourselves in a state of distress and and unrest, right? Um, so uh, you might ask yourself, um, how can I look at this? How can I hold this emotion differently? Is there a way to reframe it in my mind? Is there a way to be with it so that um, I'm not just running the same default program as I always run? So this is one of the ways. And then you can begin... So once mindfulness is recognized that this is an emotion that's happening, there's a little bit of room to think of alternative ways to be with it or to be with it in, in more um, 
wholesome ways or, or, or functional ways. So are there alternative options that you can picture or imagine in terms of being with, with an emotion? So I'll just give you an example. <clears throat> I teach a compassion course. And one of the things um, that... Uh, <clears throat> comes up in that course when we're beginning to actually get in touch with this this quality of compassion is that you're having um, a heated exchange with someone or you have um, a, a situation where somebody is being really irritating and you just want to... Yeah, they're being irritating, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> and And so the immediate thing is... <sighs> Will they ever learn, and why do they dump it on me, and, you know, and so on and so forth. So, so we begin, I, I, I point out that, you know, one of, the be, one of the ways we begin to notice that we're cultivating the habit of compassion is instead of automatically just going to that, oh, here, here they go again, we might have a thought floating over our radar screen. I wonder what's happening with that person today. You know? They're, they're my, they, they could be having a hard day. <laughs> you know? They might have just gotten a bad, bad news from their doctor or their husband or their wife might have left them or the kids might be, you know, acting out. Who knows what's going on with them? And just in that moment of cutting them a little bit of slack, it's just the way that you reframe it. So rather than just act on your emotion of irritation and everything that tells you that this person is irritating because your breathing changes and your shoulders get knotted and your jaw gets tight and you're ready to fight or flight, whatever it is, you see? You just consider for a moment, there's a moment of openness Ah, I wonder what this guy is going through. I wonder what this woman is going through today. So you can reframe it. And um, you can also uh, begin to um, look at how you're projecting your own ideas and your own feelings into the situation itself. You see, you can't do any of this when you're overwhelmed by your anger or your irritation or your impatience or anything. So first you have to know that that's what's going on. You have to recognize what the emotion is, you see. And, and, and then you can begin to sort of sort through it. Wow, I'm really, I really don't like it when, when I feel put upon and so I'm projecting being put upon when, in fact, the other person isn't thinking about you at all. They're just concerned about the fact that their husband, you know, did something crappy to them in the morning. So um, are you projecting your feelings into the situation? And um, if the situation is not really making a lot of sense to you, you can consider, have you been in situations, in other situations, similar to this, 
Have you encountered this in other situations to help you understand what's actually coming up? So part of what I find so useful in, in meditation is to check in over and over and over again with what it feels like in the actual moment that you're checking in and notice if, it's, if the difference in the way that it feels when you're actually checking in and present with something and when you're lost in thought or emotions or whatever it is that you're lost in. They, they have a different qualitative tone to them and a different qualitative experience. So when you first come in in the morning and we sit down, you've just come from from the freeway or the neighborhoods or wherever. You've come from outside, and you bring a kind of energy with us. We all do. And then we sit down and, and we close our eyes, and somehow we know that we're here to to sit down and meditate. And things begin to quiet down. You see, so if we notice the difference between when we were outside and when things begin to quiet down, this is how we begin to cultivate a mindful awareness of what's going on. And in this very same way, when we're in a situation which we don't really, um, you know, where it's really not clear, we can think, what does this feel like now? And have I ever had this? Is this... Is this the first time I've ever felt this way? Or is this a familiar feeling? It will help us identify what's actually going on. It might, we might even not even know that we're impatient or irritable. You see, it might take something to trigger this, to wake us up to the fact that this is going on for us. And, and in the moment that we realize that this might have been stirring in us and we didn't even know it, we can we can hold enough, we can have enough compassion to recognize that that might be going on for the other guy as well. You see, this is how we actually can come into a sense of feeling connected with one another rather than separate from one another. Here's this guy is driving me nuts instead of, wow, here's this guy who's doing what, what I'm doing. And in that way, we're very similar. And then to respond to what you just said about positive emotions, we can, we can then ask ourselves the question, how can I use these positive emotions in a productive way rather than to get clingy onto someone or to try to identify with them or attach to them or hold on to them? Okay, <clears throat> so an awareness of emotions then helps us to have a direct and un- uncomplicated relationship with them. It allows us to just recognize that we're having emotions. That this is just, impatience is just experienced as it's an emotional response. Anger is an emotional response. You know, desire is an emotional response. So. It's also, I think, important to point out that when we see 
our emotions with mindfulness that no emotion is inappropriate and no emotion is wrong. You can't stop yourself from having emotions at all. You can push against it. You can fight against it. You can deny it. You can try to think them away, but you're going to have emotions. And so if you can see your emotion, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. When you deny your emotion, you're denying yourself a part of your own lived experience, and therefore you're abandoning yourself, and it's going to cause you to suffer and, and be stressed out. So when you can see that anger is there, it's different than being lost in anger. When you can see that tenderness is there, it's different than being carried away by you know, warmth and tenderness or whatever. So um, <coughs> when you can allow your emotions to just ebb and flow like the breath, to come and go like the breath without any resistance to them at all, you, you, you'll see that, that the qualities of aversion and judgment that generally arise around these emotions will settle down and you'll be able to have a more equanimous kind of a relationship with them. Make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to do exactly what you're talking about, and I followed your tapes, and I, I totally get what you mean, and the emotion I so often have is fear. Mm-hmm. And the fear can turn to panic. Mm-hmm. But I followed your suggestions and I didn't uh, force it away or avert it. Um, I just didn't think. I didn't go with the narrative or the story. I didn't go there. And if I would go there, I would go down the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. as you call it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole because I know where that takes me. So I didn't go there. And I stayed with the panic and, and realized it was just fear. And I calmed down, and it, it, it was a life-changing experience it, because I spent a life going down the rabbit hole and trying to crawl myself out. So it was so powerful, and I hope if, when it happens again that I can do it again. But what I'm wondering is, did I use my mind and my thoughts to uh, run away from it? No. I didn't. No, I well, I don't know if you did or yeah. you didn't. I'm going to I'm, right. <laughs> I'm say I don't think so. I think that you used the power of discernment right. to to be with something and to actually try it out and see what it's like. So actually, you used mindfulness. It was mindfulness that was recognizing what was happening. You knew that you were in a state of fear right? That fear was there. And you also remembered that when you went down that rabbit hole, you knew what the, the conditions were and you knew what the, cause, the causes and conditions that created that and where it was going to take you. So you saw very clearly what was going on because when, you bec- when we become aware of 
how that very scenario unfolds for us, then we're using mind, we're using the power of mindfulness in a way that allows us choices because we can choose to go down the rabbit hole whether we think we're making that choice or not, we're making that choice. And we have the habit and the momentum of that going down the rabbit hole. And so by applying mindfulness, by cultivating mindfulness and beginning to see these things, we also have the choice then to have a more compassionate response. I got into the compassion too. I, I said to myself, there's no danger. You're just afraid. <laughs> You're okay. It's just a feeling. It's just fear. And, you know, shortly it lifted. I mean, it was like a miracle. You get an A. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh boy, it makes <laughs> this is. I'm so glad I came this morning. This is nice. Yes, yes. It is. It can be like. It can feel like a miracle. That's for sure. Yeah. Thank. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, I had a, um, a rather strange experience this morning. I, I, I didn't think I could come here because I had some obligations, and I decided I really wanted to come, so I'd get here late. When I got on to 92 from where I live by to 80, Mm -hmm. immediately there was a motorcycle right behind me, Mm -hmm. and he was, like, tailing me. This has never happened before, and he was wearing black clothes, and he had um, a beard, and da-da-da-da, and he was right on top of me. I tried to pull over, he pulled over. So I, ca- I, I wasn't imagining this, it was real. And my heart started to pound. I went back to following my breath. And I've been doing mindfulness driving, and he kept, at, he was right behind me all the way to he- here. But when I got to the corner where you make the turn to come down yeah. uh, Hopkins, I decided, what am I going to do? Am I going to call the police? Am I going to come to the center and start honking the horn? I don't know what to do. And I spun this story, and he's right behind me again, all the way down to Birch. And I was was just, my heart was beating so fast at that point, I turned, and he went straight. So um, I just came in here feeling so anxious, and Mm. just sitting here in these short few minutes... Um, maybe 20 minutes I've been in here, I just feel like it's all gone, and I just feel very calm again. Hmm. Welcome home. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome home, right. So <clears throat> we're almost out of time, and I, I, I just want to say in terms of um, uh, a couple of more things about emotions, that the emotions are really composite events, and they're made up of these bodily physiological changes that we experience. They're, they're made up of our thoughts, the way we think about them, the way we feel them. I mean, the, the feeling, the emotional quality of is what I'm talking. They have motivations that are sort of habituated and built into them. And we have attitudes about them. This is a good emotion. This is not a good emotion. This is safe. This is unsafe. And so on and so forth. So um, with mindfulness, we simply come to see and know directly what's going on within us. And, um, 
when we can apply mindfulness in that way, we can choose whether we're going to go down the rabbit hole and react or whether we're going to respond. And responding to our life experience is a completely different um, what do I want to say? It's got a, a completely different quality to it. And it allows us to be in a state of um, uh, a, mo- a much more emotionally functional state so that we can be equanimous with what's actually arising and passing away because emotions ebb and flow just like the breath ebbs and flows. And when we resist these emotions or when we're aversive in some way or when we judge these emotions, they just lock up and and we prevent them from flowing through, which, you know, there, no emotion can last forever. That's all there is to it. You can get annoyed with someone, but you can't be annoyed with them forever. You can be impatient, but you're not going to be impatient forever. You can be happy, but you're not going to be happy forever. So to, to, to recognize the truth of the way things actually flow and to allow yourself to be with the process without clamping down or over-identifying with it or making everything a point of self-reference um, gives you a sense of freedom. And so this is... This is really what emotional freedom is about, emotional health. So um, I have a lot more to say, but I'm out of time. <laughs> I, I, you're welcome. Thank you for, for being here. I, I hope that it was um, uh, helpful this morning to, to you all. And it's a delight to be here. And I would just say um, what I like to say at the end of um, every talk like this or every gathering, that when people come together to actually practice together and to um, cultivate these qualities of heart in a conscious way, not one of you came all the way over here this morning without that desire stirring in your own heart. This is really something special. This is really not to be ignored. Um, And when you recognize that and appreciate that and acknowledge that within yourself, you will begin to cultivate this quality of appreciation for life in general and for the ability to be in healthy relationships with the world. And the more we're able to do that, the more we have an impact on not just our small circle, but it just ripples out. I mean, this idea that we can offer loving kindness to the whole world, it might seem like impossible, but this is how, how it actually happens. You know, you begin to, to connect with someplace within yourself and you touch another person, and another person touches another person, and it just goes on. I mean, it really does. It spreads out. And there's so much negativity in the world today. If you listen to the news, it seems like we're on the brink of Armageddon. So please stay in touch with these wonderful, beautiful qualities that bring you to 
places like IMC and that make you want to live in integrity with your deepest intentions. So I offer that as my reflection for the morning and may, um, may you give your beautiful hearts to the world. <laughs> Thank you.